G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Monday, we like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby and some insights into the current way the political agenda looks for the coming week. Martin Isles is the Managing Director of the ACL, the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin's back with us. Martin, welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Happy New Year. It's good to be back. It is good to be back, and so many listeners, Martin, look forward to this conversation each week because it does set a bit of context, gives us an agenda to get a focus on. Let's start with the overshadowing announcement, the leak that Margaret Court is to be made companion of the Order of Australia tomorrow. You've been following this along. How do you feel about it? I think it's a great thing, Neil. Uh, I mean, first of all, I want to say congratulations to Margaret Court <laughs> because it's a, a tremendous thing. It is the highest honour that a civilian can receive as part of these sorts of ceremonies. Um, and I think it's very fitting because as time rolls on, uh, Margaret Court's career continues to shine brighter and brighter because it looks increasingly likely that uh, her records will never be matched. Um, You know, much is made of the fact that Serena Williams uh, has 23 uh, singles Grand Slam titles and Margaret Court achieved 24. And much is made, therefore, of the fact that Serena Williams could match her. But um, what people forget is that Margaret Court has a lot more than 24 Grand Slam titles. She actually has 64 because she didn't just play the singles events. She played doubles and mixed doubles as well. Uh, to achieve an unassailable 64 Grand Slam titles over the course of her career. Uh, Now, there's only a possibility of winning 12 in a year if you win every single possible event at all four tournaments around the world. So that's like winning everything for more than five years straight. (laughs) So it's pretty incredible stuff. Um, She also has three Grand Slams. In other words, she won all of the uh, events at the Grand Slam. uh, She won all four tournaments, Australian Open, French Open, US Open, Wimbledon, in a single calendar year. On three occasions. No one's done that. Uh, Rod Laver's done it twice, another Australian, but otherwise people have only achieved it once. And, you know, I could go on and on with with her uh, achievements and her wins. Um, And uh, I think it's absolutely fitting that a woman who achieves such things and as time rolls on, those achievements are merely amplified because people can't match it and they look better and better and better. Um, And people forget too, just as a footnote, that she uh, retired for two years to have children and get married. And she's still got this litany of records. None of them just touched the surface. Uh, so I think it's a great thing. Congratulations to her. And so disappointing that there are people out there who think that because her political views don't match theirs, uh, that uh, she's not worthy of being honoured for these tremendous uh, wins uh, and this tremendous tennis career. I mean, that kind of thing, people who believe that, uh, their vision is not for a free world where somebody's achievements are subject to their political approval that's just uh that's outrageous and um you know premier daniel andrews among them in victoria uh anthony albanese 
federal level also came out and criticised her. I think that's a real shame. Uh, she's a great Australian, a great tennis player. <laughs> you know, uh, I think every listener to our conversation today is likely to be on the side that you're talking about there, honouring a great Australian, which you would do on an Australia Day honours list. Uh, but as you do, draw attention to uh, some of the negatives. And I note that uh, when I saw an interview that Daniel Andrews was doing where he's being asked about Margaret Court, he couldn't even bring himself to mention her name. So that person who comes up every year and he has to keep talking about this because she's in the headlines. I mean, I, I didn't feel too much sympathy for him, actually, because, uh, you know, his views uh, really don't represent... Uh, all of Australia, he seems to think that his views are the wide representation. But, of course, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, and I think that the more he uh, makes himself clear uh, on these issues, uh, the better it is, in a sense, because uh, uh, people begin to increasingly see that he's a very intolerant man. Um, And uh, whenever things uh, relating to biblical Christianity uh, or Christian values come up, whether legislatively or in the public debate, as with Margaret Court, uh, his response is always very angry uh, and very condemning. uh, And the actions he's taking in office are um, are very concerning. I mean, we're going to talk in a moment about his conversion therapy bill, which is an attack on people of faith. And he attacked Margaret Court on his Twitter. He, He, As you said, Neil, he couldn't even bring himself to mention her name. He called her this person. Uh, and talk, said that she was disgraceful, she was bigoted, uh, and that she uh, spews hatred and creates division. I mean, you know, uh, there's been a lot said about cyberbullying lately, and I, I don't think inciting hundreds of thousands of Twitter followers to hate uh, Margaret Court is a, is a great use of your internet account. But, of course, this is increasingly Daniel Andrews' MO. So I'm, I kind of think to myself, well, all right, get it out in the open. <laughs> Let everybody see how you feel. Uh, because, uh, you know, it's time people get, became clear that you've got a real problem. Uh, you have a real problem with Christian values. You've got a real problem with people who stand for them. Um, and hopefully uh, people will start to see that. There's lots and lots and lots of people in Victoria uh, who have uh, fairly conservative views. But I'm not like that. If Daniel Andrews had won 64 Grand Slam titles and he was being honoured, as much as I find his views distasteful, I'd think good for him, you know, uh, because he deserves it because he won all of those great achievements. So it doesn't matter the political views, uh, although I happen to like Margaret Court personally. Uh, she's a wonderful lady. And people forget that the charity work that she does in Perth is phenomenal. She distributes many tonnes of food to the homeless and the needy, uh, among other um, care efforts and charitable efforts. Uh, every day uh, in the city of Perth. So she does tremendous things continually uh, with her time and it's a shame that politics has to come into it. Well, some are wanting to jump on the bandwagon of protest against Margaret Court. One of those is the Canberra doctor who's decided to hand back her own Order of Australia medal in protest. Her name, Clara Tuck Meng Su. Uh, she's written to the Governor-General informing him that she no longer wants her OAM. Should we have any sympathy for people like that who want to give back their awards, Martin? Well, I mean, what's the principle at play? I mean, uh, I, I wrote something on my Facebook about this, which is that, you know, effectively what these people are saying is, look, uh, somebody's achievements uh, might be one thing, but those achievements should only be recognised, should only be validated if their political views align with mine. So Margaret Court might be the greatest tennis player the world has ever seen by far, which is true. But her achievements should only be recognised. They should only be validated. They should only be seen as good if her political views happen to be the same as mine. Now, 
That, to me, is not a vision for a free world. To sit there and say, no, your politics determine your validation. Your politics determine your recognition. Your politics determine whether you're any good at anything. Well, politics are sometimes irrelevant. Uh, politics certainly have no uh, role to play in somebody's sportsmanship. Um, and that's a real shame to me. So I, I think I have no time for people who take that approach. Uh, I believe in absolute freedom on these issues. People can believe this political thing or that political thing. They can be atheists, they can be Christian, they can be left, they can be right. Uh, they can say what Daniel Andrews says and they can still be great sports people. They can say what Margaret Court says and they can still be great sports people. Uh, and so I think very little sympathy for that kind of thing. Uh, and it's definitely a terrible principle to adopt in the broader society for sure. Let's move on from Margaret Court, but let's not move on from Premier Dan Andrews in Victoria because one of the most important and significant and dangerous bills to come into the Australian parliaments of any of the states around the nation is this Victorian conversion bill that's going to be voted on in the Upper House in Victoria next Tuesday. A very serious threat to religious freedom in Australia. What are your thoughts around what could be happening next Tuesday? Yeah, very um, worrying, in fact, what could be happening next Tuesday. This bill has passed the upper house in Victoria. It's coming into the lower house. There's even some rumblings amongst the Liberal Party that they may vote for it, which would be one of the more astonishing events in Australia's political history uh, if that was to happen. But uh, as you say, uh, Neil, this is Dan Andrews again, and the same sort of hostility, the same sort of attack on people of faith and faith values and Christian values is seen in this legislation. In fact, it's one of the worst. In, it is the worst I've actually seen, certainly in Australian history, but it's definitely the worst conversion therapy bill that we've seen anywhere in the world. Uh, and people get hung up when you say conversion therapy. They, they, they think to themselves, what's wrong with you? Why would you, why would you not be in favour of banning conversion therapy? And I say, well, hang on, hold your horses. <laughs> the devil is in the detail. Um, if this was a ban on conversion therapy, as in the sorts of things that people think of when they think of that term, that wouldn't be a problem, you know, uh, electric shocks, boot camps and all that. Of course, that's not happening in Australia. Uh, it, it doesn't happen anywhere. But if that's what it was a ban on, then, of course, we'd say, well, you know, go go your hardest. No problem. Uh, but it's so much more than that. The effect of the bill is quite intentional and it's incredibly wide. And it would have the effect that anyone who does anything less than completely affirm how a person feels about their sexual identity or their gender identity, if anyone does anything less than completely affirm those feelings, then they are straight away in the realm of having potentially committed a criminal offence. Uh, that sounds insane. It's true. Uh, but it, and there's no, um, there's no exceptions for different contexts. So, for example, let's say you're a parent and your child reports gender dysphoria or gender confusion of some kind. And you as a parent say... Let's wait and see. Okay, straight away you've stepped into the realm of potentially being a criminal. Uh, if you are a pastor and you get up there and you preach a sermon and you say, you know what, if you're not married, um, you know, God's plan for you is uh, abstinence until you get married. And when you get married, you know, Christian marriage is a man and a woman to the exclusion of all others for life. Okay, that pastor is now in the realm of having potentially committed a criminal offence. Uh, and that is not a joke. Or, indeed, let's go further. If somebody comes up to the pastor and says, Pastor Jim, hey, I've, been, I've experienced same-sex attraction feelings. Could you just pray for me? Uh, because that's not what I want for my life. And there's a lot of people who feel that way. 
And Pastor Jim says, look, absolutely, I'll pray for you. And maybe he prays for him right there and then and says, you know, let me know if you need any help. Okay, Pastor Jim has just committed a criminal offence under this bill because the bill specifically mentions prayer as criminal. Uh, and so I could go on. It goes into all sorts of contexts. You could think of a doctor treating a, a young person who has these concerns, and the doctor might decide that the best thing to do is wait and see or that this isn't the best pathway. And there's legitimate medical reasons for that. This bill plays havoc with all of that. And people think, oh, well, that sounds a bit crazy. Surely that's not the intent. Unfortunately, it is the intent. We've talked to the people who drafted it, uh, and also we've read the explanatory memorandum that specifically singles out community leaders and conversations and prayers and all the rest of it. Um, it is what it's meant to it, it, it is meant to be as draconian as it is. So that's just to alert people, to wake them up to what's going on uh, in the legislative realm, particularly from the Andrews government. And look, there will be a petition on the ACL website, an opportunity to take action. And I would say that of all times in Australia's history, surely this is probably the biggest. And if, if people live in other states, this, this attack, uh, affects them as well. Because if you were to say something or do something that is non-affirming and somebody in Victoria was to read it or see it or hear it, or encounter it in some way, then Victorian police can pursue you over the border, whether you be in Brisbane, Perth, Darwin, Sydney. So it has a national effect uh, in that respect. It's a shocker of a bill. So we're talking hefty fines, even jail terms, for parents, pastors, counsellors, and medical practitioners. And while we're talking about this in Victoria, as you say, Martin it expressly applies to all Australians and somehow or other Victorian police will be able to arrest you and charge you no matter where you live in Australia. That is for some just uh, unbelievable. Is this the Australia we grew up in? Is this the sort of tyranny that we may be facing for the future? And it doesn't look good. It doesn't look like an easy year ahead if this bill goes through next Tuesday. Uh, so far as just a, a week away until that bill is being debated, even voted on, uh, you say that there's a petition that's emanated out of Queensland and everyone around Australia can sign that petition. Is that what you're encouraging? Uh, yes, I am encouraging people to sign the petition. I mean, it'll be on the ACL website. Uh, and just to boil this down, Neil, I think you, you got it right at the start. It, 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 what this bill will do is it will simply criminalise any view of gender, sexuality, marriage, all that kind of stuff that is biblical or Christian. It will simply criminalise it. Whether you want to say it, whether you want to live it out, whether you want to promote it, it'll just criminalise it. And the penalties are up to 10 years in jail uh, and up to $200,000 in fines. Which 10 years in jail is worse than some people get for murder. So, you know, it's, it's that bad. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. Um, and, uh, and, and the answer is that I think everybody, particularly Victorians, uh, unfortunately, there's limited things we can do from other states. Nonetheless, encourage everyone to sign this petition. But particularly Victorians need to not just sign the petition, but get in touch with their MP and say, come on, this is over the hill. You don't need to be a wordsmith. You don't need to be articulate. You're a constituent. You can ring up your MP and you can just say to them, I know this is coming on for a vote please, I'm really opposed, this really affects me, blah, blah. You, you won't have to argue your corner, you won't have to say very much, they just need to hear your view. Uh, and so um, that's what I'm encouraging everybody to do. This is a moment when we have to take a stand.
Okay, so many issues to tackle, and we're running out of time very, very briefly here, Martin. The abortion to birth bill in South Australia, it's going to be debated in the lower house in South Australia next Tuesday, the 2nd of February. A a, a quick thought on that? Uh, yes. Uh, so again, uh, this is um, uh, this is something that I would encourage people to get in touch with their lower house MPs about because they want to legalise abortion right up to the point of birth. Uh, there is a real chance of getting an amendment put on that bill to ban late term abortions, which would be uh, really good progress. Uh, obviously, it's not everything we want, but it would be good progress. And so I'd encourage people to contact their MPs uh, and say, please, um, uh, uh, vote for the amendment or, or vote to ban late-term abortions and let them know what you think. We've already done polling, which shows that about 70% of South Australians don't support late-term abortion, which is encouraging. So they've got that putting pressure on them. Uh, and also we're, there's, a, there's a Walk for Life rally being planned in the week following this re- the, the, the resumption of debate on Tuesday, the 2nd of February. Um, and, uh, you know, COVID permitting, that should go ahead and be, and be another uh, cause of pressure. Um, and uh, And look, there's a chance here that we could get late-term abortion banned in South Australia. So uh, that would be tremendous if we can get those amendments up. But politicians, again, they need to hear from their constituents. Uh, it's, it's a close-run thing, and it will depend on public pressure. A significant year ahead, lots of very big, important issues to be addressed. And uh, there's lots more we could talk about by way of issues today too. But I know that listeners will be able to get some deeper insights, uh, read articles, get resources, respond to petitions that are going on, uh, led by the Australian Christian Lobby, when you go to the Australian Christian Lobby website. It's acl.org.au, acl.org.au. Martin Isles, who's Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin, uh, looking forward to great updates each Monday in this time slot. So thank you so much today for your insights here on 2020. Thank you, Neil. God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.